Well, good day to you if you are listening to the fellow cast. If this is your first time, we are doing the Bring Your Own Bible series episode with uh, Pastor Garth van Niekerk. And we've just finished off in the book of Genesis, which has been a real great uh, journey through the yes, book of Genesis. It? It, was, yeah. it took us a while, but eventually we got there. Yep. And so now we're exiting into the Exodus. We're going into the exactly. next part of the Bible. Exactly. I'm, I'm really <laughs> looking forward to to what's about to commence from the following chapter. So Pastor Garth, you can kick us off there and Ugh, tell us what you you're going to share with us. Yeah. So while it's a new book, it's still the same story because um, Exodus left us with a family of Jacob coming into the land, or um, let's rather say the family of Israel as his name was changed. Yes. So the small, tiny 70 members of the family were there in Israel. And then Exodus tells us how they just dramatically grew. Mm. The Lord's hand was on them and he greatly blessed them while they were there. And they started to come in, um, can I say, as celebrities of the land because of who their brother Joseph was and what he did for the people and the territory around. And then it says, uh, after they've increased and a new king took over who did not know about Joseph. Can you think that's possible? That sounds a bit strange to me. Yeah. Sounds a bit suspect. It really is strange, eh? If you think, um, let's say there's a new president rising up in South Africa who does not know about Nelson Mandela. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yes, but it does happen, unfortunately, um, which I think we later on in the book of Deuteronomy, I always say the greatest theme in the book of Deuteronomy is remember, mm. remember. Mm. It's one of the words the mostly used out of the entire book because as they're going to go into a new land, God keeps telling them, don't forget. Don't forget what happened in the desert. Don't forget how I saved you. And then by the time we get to the book of Judges, they did forget. Mm. And it was their destruction because yeah. they did not know the Lord. Sure. So while it sounds ridiculous, it still happens today. If we forget things that the Lord have done for us or where we came from, then like this King Pharaoh, we're going to head off in the wrong direction. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So there they were in this foreign land, and the Lord greatly blessed them and increased them. And as we finished off in our last section, I think we jumped back to what God promised Abraham to yeah. say to him, your descendants will go into this land and into a foreign land. They will um, have a hardship there. But in the fourth generation, I'm going to bring them out. Mm. So here they are now in this foreign land, busy increasing. And then the hard days come. And um, in that time, uh, I want to read just a quick portion because Mm. um, it's interesting for me the reason why the Egyptians gave them a hard time. Chapter 1, verse 9. Look. Uh, This new king said, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and then check this, and leave the country. The reason why they oppressed them is not to get them out of the country. They recognized this country is blessed because of this people. We need these people. Yeah. Uh, we cannot do without them. Just now they decide they want to go to their own land <laughs> and they leave us. <laughs> and we lose favor. Yeah. So can I throw this into a, a whole different realm? Thinking about what the whole of Egypt and the promised land, those images means for us as Christians. Mm. Um, the New Testament always uses Egypt as sin. Yeah. It's the world and it's captivity to the world, slavery to the world. 
while the promised land is what God wants to lead us into, a broad place uh, mm. of overflow and victory, a free territory where we can reign with Christ. Now, in terms of that, think about that verse, about what this king is saying. Mm. He's saying, listen, we must oppress these people because we don't want to lose these people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's that kind of thing that yeah. sin says, you know, I, I, I benefit from sure. having you on my side and I don't want you to go. Yeah. And he's not fighting for us to leave. It's yeah. just an abuse and the using and abusing of the person. Yeah. Yes, I want to suck the life out yeah. of him, you know, that kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, they put slave masters over them and um, they forced them to build two cities, Pithom and Ramesses, which still today, um, if like my mom-in-law went off to Egypt, um, you go to these places mm. and you actually see the ruins of these places that the Israelites helped build back in the day. Sure. Um, and um, then when that didn't work with the forced labor, they continued to multiply. Then the king said, all right. Let's call in the, the midwives. And there were two specific midwives that were over the, uh, the Israelite people. So they would have helped the woman in giving birth. Mm. And he called them in and secretly told them, listen, if you go and help the Israelite woman, then when the child comes out, if it's a girl, let her lift. If it's a boy, then kill the boy. Wow. Yeah. Which then in time would mean that this mass of Israelite girls grow up without peers boys to marry so they're going to marry egyptians, egyptians yeah. so you're going to change the entire nationality of these people and then interestingly it says but the midwives feared god hmm. and therefore did not obey the king and um, eventually he called them in and said to them listen why don't you kill these boys I told you to do it. So they said, no, 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 no. These Israelite women, they're tough chicks. Mm. They're not like the Egyptian girls. By the time that we arrive, the kids are already out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we don't have life. a chance yeah. to do that. Yeah. Um, so they lied. They lied to the king. Yeah. Uh, and here's a big question <laughs> for us. Um, because in this lie, it says, and the Lord honored them. And he blessed them with families of their own. Sure. So in doing this, uh, he he blessed them. Mm. He says, you're doing the right thing mm. by sparing these children and risking their lives yeah. at the end of the day. And telling a lie. Yes. But not lying to God. That's a, yeah. that's a really, uh, we let's just say we cannot use that too liberally. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a story yeah. we'll teach our kids just yet. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, in this whole circumstance, it just sets the scene for the birth of Moses. Um, because how did Moses end up in the palace? Mm. Well, he was one of those boys that had to be killed. And it says a Levite woman married a Levite man and then had this boy. And he was the, as much as we know, the third in the family already. Because his eldest brother Aaron, we will meet later. His sister Miriam will become a prophetess in the nation. Mm. And here comes baby Moses. And um, in his time, he had to be killed. So his mom, seeing the boy, just uh, loved him, obviously. Any mom would. And she, I'm sure like many other Israelite women, decided she's going to hide this baby. And by God's grace, uh, for three months, she managed to do that. And after three months, they become louder and <laughs> they become uh, hungrier, more mobile. <laughs> 
And eventually she realized um, he's going to be found. Yeah. So uh, I just imagine her heart the day that sure. she decided I'm going to make a basket out of papyrus. Yeah. I'm going to cover it with tar and I'm going to put my kid in it in the river. Crazy. That river filled with crocodiles and hippos and snakes and whatever else and people, yeah. you know, walking past. And she put him in between the reeds. And then Miriam, his sister, stood nearby, the Bible said, to see what was going to happen. And then God's intervention. <laughs> and Here comes God. Pharaoh's daughter for a bath and uh, with her attendants. And while she's walking up and down, she notices this basket in between the reeds. And she sends her slave girl and said, go fetch that basket. And as she brought it near, she could hear the baby crying inside. And they opened up the basket. And there is this beautiful Hebrew boy. Mm. And her heart just went out to this boy. Um, and Miriam grabbed the opportunity. What a brave girl. Yeah. To walk up to the princess of the land and say to her, listen, um, do you want me to get a midwife? Ach, not a midwife, a, a nurse. Mm. Do you want me to get a nurse for you to, um, to feed this baby? And just, yeah. She decided I want to keep him. Yes, please do. Mm. Handed him over to not knowing his sister. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Miriam goes and gets her mom. And the princess tells her, please nurse this child until he's big enough. Uh, and I will pay you yeah. to do it. To raise your own child. Now suddenly, <laughs> this oppressed woman is being paid to raise her own child. Wow. Yeah. And... Um, we don't really know how long, maybe up until two years uh, back in that day. Uh, I don't know, a year, two years maybe. He's in the house, and then he goes to stay in the palace. And here we have to remind ourselves that the palace years are 40 years sure. in total. Because suddenly it jumps to the next story of him having this fight and him fleeing out to Midian. Um, but there's 40 years. This is a this is an adult man already. Yeah, uh, who's going to do that? So he grows up in the palace, and um, then one day he just says in verse 11, Moses went to to, um, to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. So something inside of his heart must have cried out to say, "But these are my people." Mm. And I think if he just grew up as a baby and was nursed in the palace by a, uh, an Egyptian. Probably wouldn't have known. I don't think so. Mm. I don't, but he grew up with mom, mm. who obviously as he grew up would, would have installed the truth in him. And um, so he went out to go and see them at their hard labor and obviously saw how they were mistreated because the, the oppression just became worse and worse. Yeah. And then it says he saw uh, one of the Egyptian soldiers beating a Hebrew, and he just couldn't keep the rage in. He just plummeted the guy, and he killed him on the spot. Mm. Um, and then the very next day, he walked out again. And now imagine, you kill a guy the one day. We're not just seeing a man walking around yeah. here. This is a guy burdened by a secret yeah. of what he has committed. Whether he justifies it to himself or not, it's still burning inside of his heart. Yeah. And um, it's strange in the one hand that he would be out there the next day again, but on the other hand, it shows the fervor in his heart, doesn't it? Yeah. What's happening over here is just wrong. Mm. And he, he just cannot stay in the palace comfortable 
while his own people are suffering like that. So he goes out, and sure enough, this day, he sees two Hebrew guys fighting with one another. And he walks up to them and wants to intervene and say, guys, isn't it enough that the Egyptians beat you guys up? No, you're beating one another up. And the one guy just snaps at him and says, what are you going to do? Yeah, kill me like the other guy. Yeah. And then that shock, yeah. imagine, he thought it was a secret. Mm. And there this guy just calls it out, and he realizes the word came out somehow. Mm. And he's going to have to flee. And then it says, and Pharaoh uh, wanted to kill Moses when the word came to him. So sure enough, he would have lost his life if he stayed in Egypt. Sure. Um, and again, but God. Yeah. So he flees. Um, and why to Midianite territory? Because the Midianites were far off family of Abraham, okay. which is not that far away from where they are. So Abraham, remember... Um, from his wife Keturah, he had those uh, the the many children that he eventually then sent away from Isaac to mm. make space for his son Isaac because the promised land belongs to Isaac, yeah. and one of those children are then Midian, so it's far off family from Abraham's side. And interesting, when he comes to Midian, uh, we've seen it how many times? Three times already. He comes to a well. What happens at the well, Valdu? God intervenes. Come on. Every time at the well, you meet a wife. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, God intervenes. <laughs> Every single time in the stories, you get to the well, somebody gets married. Okay, you know? I missed that part. <laughs> and it's only if you're a nice person. You get person, water. All right. Jacob gets, uh, gets to the well and he meets uh, Rachel. Yeah. All right. But because he helped her, all right, he helped her against the bullies that were wanting to push her away. Mm. Uh, so it's every time like that. Okay. The, um, ja, f what was the other one? The servant, Abraham's servant, is sent away to get Isaac's wife, and it happens at the well. So yeah. maybe maybe <laughs> the singles ministry should have a well built somewhere. I'm telling, that's all we need. <laughs> all we need is a well. Okay. <laughs> the Beatles had it wrong. It's not love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a well. Anyway, so he comes to the well, and there, um, this guy called Ruel, he's a priest in Midian. And um, later on, uh, uh, we're going to meet him again. And funny enough, there's this whole wise answer for why he's called Ruel over here. But later on, he's called Jethro. All right. Um, we're not sure. But it seems like this is a godly man. And I would assume this guy is a priest of God mm. in Midian. Um, from Abraham's line, he would just like Isaac have grown up with who the true God is. Uh, because with the kind of advice that he's going to give Moses when they're in the desert and all of that, it seems like he really knows the word of the Lord, yeah. the truth of God. So he comes there, and this guy has seven wives, uh, seven daughters, and um, these daughters look after his flocks. And while they come to the well, there's other guys wanting to push them away so that they cannot give water to their, to their flocks. And Moses comes and intervenes, and he helps. And um, then he's taken... Back home to dad, just like it is with Jacob and mm -hmm. the servant and all of them. And he gets given one of the daughters, Zipporah, as a, as a wife. And um, he then has sons. And the first one, uh, just like many of the names in the Bible, has a meaning. He calls his first son Gershom. And Gershom means um, foreigner, which mm. sounds like the Hebrew word for foreigner. And he says, the Lord have made me a foreigner um, in, a, in a foreign country. So his heart is yearning back. But it's a strange yearning, I would assume. Mm. 
it's a yearning for the easier days in the palace, right? Yeah. Days with influence and prosperity and whatever else. And on the other hand, I do really do believe his heart is yearning back for his people that he knows is in a, having a very, very hard time. Mm. Yeah. And remember back home, he would know his brother. Uh, he would know his friends in the neighborhood where he was nursed. Yeah. His sister, Miriam. His family is all back there. It's mm. not just, uh, yeah, a place that he's yearning for. Countrymen, yeah. It's actually personal relationships. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to stop the story over here. It's a bit short today, but the reason is, uh, as soon as Moses then encounters God at the burning bush, suddenly the story kicks off. Um, he gets these signs from God that he has to go perform before Pharaoh. Every one of them, a powerful, powerful um, mm. message from God to Pharaoh. And um, he gets his brother coming back to him because the whole excuse is, I cannot speak and all of that. And God says, well, I've, I've already dealt with that your brother is on the way to meet you mm. and he's going to be the spokesperson and um then if you're reading ahead can i ask you to look out for something well then sure uh, there's this really interesting phrase at one stage that god says i'm going to make you like god to pharaoh and aaron will be your prophet it's just such a powerful imagery for us. Mm. What is it to have a prophetic gift? God is speaking to somebody, but I'm the, just the mouthpiece. Mm. Because that's really what Aaron just is. He's yeah. just the sideline guy. And then in some instances, you're going to see it's not just the speaking, but God will say to, um, to Moses, Moses, tell Aaron to take his staff and to beat the ground. Or tell Aaron to take his staff and to swing it over the waters. Mm. Um, in many of those miracles, the action, the prophetic action that Aaron did is the trigger for the miracle that is actually performed through Moses, yeah, not wow. through Aaron. Yeah. Um, so there's this whole relationship that's going to kick off from chapter 3 and 4 onwards that okay. we're going to see through the rest of the journey in the desert. And it's, uh, I think it speaks really to us in our relationship to god yeah, yeah absolutely i'll definitely be looking out for that as i read ahead and if you've been listening today really there's some really good um, truths and messages in between what we've done even in these two chapters and also remember if you are looking for a wife find a well somewhere <laughs> <laughs> and you might find your wife but thank you so much garth um, it's really been a good start to exodus and i'm looking forward to the rest until next time